sponsor of Sends and Suffers podcast is Organic Climbing. Go to their website, use Sends and Suffers to get a discount on chalk bags, chalk buckets, everything they have on their website. And I will tell you right now, one of the reasons why I love organic is tried and true. Let me tell you, when I am falling from the heavens above or my highball boulder, I trust nothing with my ankles but an organic crash pad. Y'all know I love these things. I ain't going to trust these things on nobody else. All right, I'm out of here before I go crazy. But holla at your boys because they help this podcast. And yeah, we just try to make sure it goes around, comes around. All right. Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. If you haven't already, please follow, like, and subscribe to Sends and Suffers podcast. Every bit counts and we would love to hear from you. So take a moment to leave a comment. These go a long way and help others know what they're getting into and how good this show is. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, consider becoming a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you are investing in Sense and Suffers podcast and it's like buying your boy a taco, hanging out and getting to know the good good that is coming your way. Monthly recaps, early show releases, and all the other cool things that we do. Thank you so much for listening to Sends and Suffers podcasts. Today's guest is Jakar. Jakar started out as an Insta friend and now is an instant friend because he came up to Dallas to visit. We decided to spend the weekend hanging out, playing in VR, and just talking and two beautiful brothers just getting to know each other, sharing like experiences, and having an opportunity to talk. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's short, but it's beautiful, as always. All right, I'm out. Enjoy the episode with Jakar. Uh, Jakar, how are you? I'm doing all right, Mario. So. Nice. Uh, so as we always start, uh, who are you? Ooh, let me get that sound out of there. I'll wait for it. Who are you? Where are you from? And what is your connection to the outdoors? Uh, hello, my name's Jakar. I'm originally from uh, Quantico, Virginia, uh, born and raised. I'm currently residing in Houston, Texas, um, working and living. And my connection to the outdoors is I am a youth head coach and assistant coach. I am um, an adult climbing coach, as well as an ops instructor in Houston, Texas at Momentum Silver Street. Nice. And then... Um... Like, how did you get introduced to rock climbing? Like, what was, have you always done it? Have you always been athletic? Um, growing up, I always did sports. Uh, the last one I did, and I was the best at was wrestling in uh, high school. Um, and then in relation to rock climbing, it wasn't until college, about five or six years ago, where I got my first exposure. Mm -hmm. I was working up in Akron during a summer internship. Um, the gym that I got a membership to happened to also have a climbing gym. And I'm like, max value. Let me just go and, you know, try yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up liking it, 
I got the attention of the people actually working there. And then they took me outdoors for my first time. We took a trip to like West Virginia. I don't know where or what place, but it was really cool. But ever since then, I never ended up getting back into it uh, just because I was super so busy with college. Um, but then when I came down here to get my master's in Houston, down in Texas, I and mean, did in Houston, um, I saw Momentum Silver Street. Same thing, started off just trying to be just active in general still. And then I just started taking the rock climbing stuff seriously. Um, I started back up in like October of 21. And then I got like serious around like February of last year. And then here we are now, still going. What made you take the jump from just being a person who just had a membership, the, the gym to wanting to start servicing the community? Um, for me, one of the biggest things was, A, I had the availability for it. Um, and I knew that at the t- if I had the time for it, I could actually put in the work into it. And um, even in, when I was in high school, high school, college, all that good stuff, I always had some sort of role in regards to like educating people. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, I was a peer mediator. In college, I taught people in my age group as well as like grad students and like mathematics and stuff. And then even though I was in college and I was in uh, grad school, I did the same thing. I was tutoring people um, um, and okay. all that stuff. So it was a natural transition for me to go into coaching uh, pretty nicely. Um, and I enjoyed the feeling of like helping others get to where they want to be. And rock climbing was good with that. In fact, I never did it in the, I've always done it in the mental and the educational side of things, but not in the physical side of things. So I was like, I'm already doing it. I enjoy it. I want others to see how cool this is as well. And then a small factor of it, now that I'm thinking back on it as in relation to like basically seeing the people that I want to see in the space that I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt, felt like I was a good person to try to promote that happening in a more active way in the climate community, at least in Houston. Fair enough. Do you see that happening more often? Are there more black and brown people kind of showing up into the gym? Or is that kind of, do you feel that's like in contribution to the work with you're doing? I can't remember the name of the organization that oh. you're working with, or is that just kind of like, it's just kind of happening on its own? It's a little bit, a little bit of both, especially in uh, Momentum in particular, and Houston in particular. I've seen a lot of uh, brown and black people showing up more and more. Um, I work with my organization along with Marissa called uh, Houston Black Climbers United, HBCU. Uh, that one we have tried to make a more active and outward extension of, hey, we are here. We do want to have you here. Let us create a space and organize events and such to help promote that. Um, and that's been helpful in doing that. Um, and it's been growing, which has been nice. Um, I'm looking to pick things up here pretty soon. But with the work that we're doing, we are at least having creating the space necessarily, which is good. And to let you know, like, hey, there are some of us out there. And it's nice because even in Momentum, we have had an influx of people who are both climbers as well as people who want to get employed there that are people of color, both for YP and adult and such. So it's really good to see. Um, but just in general, climbing has gotten really popular, period. So naturally, it was bound to sort of just end up coming and happening a little bit, which is good. Do you have a lot more black and brown coaches? Would you say it's like a close, even mix? I only ask because it's like I've had one coach for a long period of time, Amanda. Uh, we've been working together for, oh my God, almost, almost 12, 13 years. We've been coaching together wow. and we've been working together. We are a well-oiled machine. We are a well-oiled machine. And we take care of each other. And we've been looking out for each other for all this entire time. And then I've had one other employee of color. But other than that, it's like finding people who want to do it and then explaining to them that they are qualified to do it. And then just, yeah, it's just, it's been a honest, it's been a big challenge. Yeah. Especially just like, because 
a lot, uh, just getting them into the industry alone is already mm -hmm. difficult, let alone someone who's like, hey, do you want to work for this industry where there's, there might not be a whole lot of you necessarily in a sport that where there also may not be a lot of you already? Um, but uh, I have seen it increase drastically since I started at um, the gym, which is good. Not on the coaching side, more on the operation side, but still the fact that they're there um, and they're, they have a face and a presence there is still really good. And a lot of like group events that end up happening are a lot of like people of color like, hey, we'll try something new. And I was like, that's awesome. And then like I give my all to ensure that they enjoy their time and give them the support that they need. Like I go out of my way to make sure that happens sort of thing, which is really cool because they always end up with a smile on their face. I've had very few bad interactions. And if they were mm -hmm. bad, they were bad on the way in, not like from the actual experience itself, yeah. which is good. But yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I can definitely, I've had people come in with a stank attitude and I'm like, well, if you stank when you came in, you're going to stank when you leave. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's cool. And so we, we've talked a little bit about, um, or, you know, you've been crashing here for the week and the weekend and I've, it's super fun to have you here. We've talked a little bit about your desire to explore a little bit more outdoor climbing and I'd like to dive into that. So you joined me and the group that I was hosting to go outside. We climbed the Paradise in the Brazos locally here. And then we also went out, uh, and then you went out to Gus, yep. I believe, afterwards. And, um, you know, it's funny, I was saying this like a minute ago, but about like, I think that most climbers, especially people who work in the climbing gym. So like, like, like cause you gotta think like everybody walking into the gym who's like a member, I guess. I don't know if about you or not, but I think everybody just assumes that everybody who works at a rock climbing gym can climb v10 yeah like everyone assumes it like they don't know whether it happens or not and um i think you know more than you know than you think you know and with that being said what is the next part of your climbing journey that you want to dive into and how do you want to use that to continue to kind of give back um so now in terms of like personally my current state is really getting into like sport climbing now like i said my first experience when we went out to pob that same week i got lead certified i got we lead certified that weekend prior i did one more small lead session like before we left for the trip and then i was on the trip with you and then i was lead climbing first time outdoors with you and first time lead climbing outdoors with you that next weekend so i still haven't really still don't feel like i have actually done a true level of sport climbing yet like okay. I would, like I wouldn't said that I would have like as hard as I can push myself in bouldering. I don't feel like I've done that yet with sport climbing yet. So I don't know like my true max and my true project level yet. Um, so for sport climbing, it's one thing I want to more actively get into. Um, on top of it, both indoors and outdoors. And then right now for me, up until recently, I've purely been focusing on like exposing myself to climbing. I've just been in terms of like training and whatnot. It's mm -hmm. just been to climb things climb different uh, steepnesses, uh, overhang slab for different styles and such. Um, and I've just been focusing on just trying to expose myself to climbing. And now I'm beginning to introduce myself into more actual training side of things, such as campus board, mm -hmm. uh, um, spray walls, my, was my first one that I ever got into and such. So more like actual structured amid of training and benchmarking to actually track progress now. Okay. Um, Cause all I was doing before was just tracking like 
grades ultimately in terms of like different styles and all that jazz yeah it makes sense um, so now i'm gonna try to get more structure behind my own personal side outside of my coaching stuff so what do you feel like you actually need to learn in the outdoor rock climbing space because like i mean i watched you rock climb you were crushing you were doing great <laughs> you were clipping bolts taking a little bit of falls but for the most part you know you brought it and so like i guess my question is is like what else do you really feel that you need to dive into as someone who's been climbing how many years have you been climbing now uh like one and a half yeah okay so like yeah how much what else do you really feel like you need to learn for the outdoor scene the biggest is just like just doing it yeah. ultimately okay. it's just time on the wall yeah um, hours yeah exactly because okay. it's like i said it was like a really big sh like everything was new to me as soon as i stepped outside i was like wow i'm gonna just keep trying but yeah. you know ultimately i can i don't know what i don't know so i'm gonna just try it out uh have at it and then just try my best like you right. said i enjoyed it too it was a good time uh, but especially the bouldering side that one was a bigger shock like i feel like for me it was easier for me to go from the sport indoor to outdoor in mm -hmm. terms of like the size of the wall versus the bouldering indoor and outdoor. Um, um, solely because of the whole reason, especially since I was doing overhang, like a really steep overhang in Gus, mm -hmm. it was drastically different than in the gym. Cause like you said, there's so many foot options. Yeah. Uh, but again, only done it one time. So it's very small, like section of things. Yeah. I, you know, a phrase that I've always said is, so if you're gonna go outdoors climbing, this is something that I tell a lot of people, and I also tell the people who are just beginning in rock climbing, you kinda have to understand that there's like, uh, I wanna say that there's like, I think, hold on, let me remember this before I dive into this. There's, oh, you're good, you're good. We'll cut that out. Um, okay, so when I'm talking to people about whether you're going indoors or outdoors or just diving into rock climbing, the thing that you want to remember is the first thing, number one, is discovery. Everything is new. Like everything is new. You doesn't matter whether it's your first time outdoors, your first time indoors, you're just, you're just discovering. Your second time is when understanding begins to happen. Mm -hmm. You start to understand why things are the way they are. You understand why holds look this way or where this is. The third time, is, is um, applying it, application. This is where you can start to discover, the things that you discover and now understand, you can start to apply those things. And then anything after that is basically starting the process of mastery or getting it. So if you haven't done it at least three to four times consistently mm -hmm. and of value, not just like, eh, I kind of went out and I hung around, sat on a crash pad, you know, drink a couple of beers and watch my friend climb or whatever. But if you're like actually out there getting it by the, mm, I would say like the fourth, the fifth time, like it starts to make sense. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're great at it yet, but you're better than a lot. Right. And so it makes sense that you say that like, okay, it's just kind of getting time on the wall. But I definitely encourage you like, whether it's outdoor bouldering, indoor sport climbing, it doesn't matter. Just like always kind of keep that in the back of your head. Like, you know, first, one, discovery. Two, understanding. Three, implicate, like, impl uh, oh, impl applying it. There we go. Yeah. So one is discovery. Two is understanding. Three is applying it. Four is the beginning steps of mastery. And then I guess if there was a fifth step is learning something so well that you don't have to think about doing it anymore. Mm. You know, you just do. And I want to be very clear when you don't have to think about something and you're just doing it doesn't mean that you're not aware of every single detail that you're doing. You just have the ability to turn into an observer 
within your own body, and you have the ability to observe your mind, your emotions, and everything that's going on through your body, toes, fingers, intensity, all that other stuff. So I think it's very important to kind of like, kind of lay that field out. So mm-hmm. like while you're doing it, but you know, you also work in a gym, so you have a much more, you have a bigger access to it. Yeah. So do you have, so what's your next like big climbing goal? Like we're coming around the summer here. It's about to be so hot in Texas. So <laughs> you're either traveling to rock climb or you're gearing up for the fall. And so do you have anything that you kind of got your sights set on? Um, in terms of outdoor, I do have a couple of things planned. Um, there might be a pretty big opportunity for me this year as well. Um, that'll be really, really cool. Um, but in terms of like personal projects, um, honestly, no, um, there is one trip that I'm making for HBCU that I hope to get going, um, towards the fall timeframe mm-hmm. to, uh, get some exposure for some people who want to try outdoors who don't have like the access to it. So nice. providing the, uh, the equipment, the tools and all that jazz nice. in order to make that happen. Um, so I'm probably going to start prepping for that probably in fall. That'll be the really cool one. I'm really excited for that one. But in terms of personally, no, like you said, in Houston, it's about to get pretty crazy. Uh, so if I'm fortunate enough, I'll be like traveling for work and I might go out somewhere sort of thing. Okay. Uh, but worst case scenario, um, just getting out to Austin, just getting more time on the walk I talked about. Fair enough. And uh, just enjoying it. Well, for your HBCU group, if you guys ever need anything, please, please don't hesitate to ask. And if I find out you did hesitate to ask, I'll whoop your ass. <laughs> fair that's fair no trust me yeah yeah so but yeah like i have a guiding company i have a full arsenal of equipment i've got probably like 55 harnesses you know shoes helmets trad gear sport climbing gear you name it spools of rope that i don't even know what to do with i mean i do know what to do with them but my point is is i would love to make myself accessible to your group and to help out and coming down to Houston and do anything. And just as a sidebar, anybody in Texas who's listening to this, if you have an organization or affinity group or just anything, whether it's a school or a church or whatever, and this is something you want to do, feel free to reach out to me and then we can go through logistics of like, you know, if it costs or what it costs or anything else like to do that. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, I'm in the business of making rock climbers and getting people psyched on it. And so I really want to see that come to pass for you. Absolutely. We'll be sure to reach out to you for that trip that we were talking about. Oh, yeah. We've got a couple of talks now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have definitely have also, too. Yeah. Oh, what are your plans for Memorial Day weekend? You got anything going on? When is that? It's like in three weeks, four weeks. Probably nothing. Whatever. All right. We'll talk after okay. the show. Okay. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I guess like, what do you see for yourself in the next like 10 years of climbing? Like, where would you like rock climbing to take you? Where would, what journey would you like to have? Cause I think that's something that a lot of us are like, oh, I want to do this thing and I want to climb this grade mm-hmm. and this is cool. But like, where would you love this thing to take you? Like, what would you like to see come to pass? Uh, realistically, uh, it was, it'd be going more towards a heavier influence in the coaching side of things. Oh, really? Um, yes. Yes. I, I just, I just seem to can't run away from like teaching others what I know or like helping others learn something for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, and whether it be from tutoring or mentoring or coaching in this particular case, I just, I can't seem to get away from it. And I just love it. Um, so probably continuing in that realm, if I were like, if everything was aligned exactly how I wanted to, uh, the engineer in me would love to get into route setting. Uh, I, I just enjoy um creating 
movements and creating problems for others to solve, especially in really creative ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the closest exposure I've gotten to that is the spray walks is why I, this, I was the first training tool that I really got into. Um, and I just enjoy the process of it, uh, both aesthetically as a photographer and in general as an engineer, just trying to create, using the body to create sets of different movements, especially with how very variety how much variety there is in between climbers uh just creating opportunities for others to learn and explore their bodies on the wall it seems like a really cool thing to me but that's like best case scenario because that requires a lot of time and a lot of uh uh steps in that direction that require a lot of attention which currently Mm -hmm. is very split for me so if i had to i'd have to full send it sort of thing do you see a separation between engineering and art no, I think one can't. To do it well, you need a good combination of both. The reason why I ask is because I've had people. You have route setters that argue like there there are artistic route setters, and then there are very meticulous engineering kind of route setters. And I think a good blend of both is very key. Yeah. But I find that interesting that you would say that because from an engineering background, because me as a route setter, like I'm much more artistic in my art route mm. setting. I'm like. Uh, well, maybe artistic and spir- experiential because it's like I, you know, people would always tell me the routes that I would set. And when I would set, they would just be like, your routes are so damn scary. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, you just like, you, you got to fully commit. And I'm like, well, you just have to use your feet first and foremost. But like, yeah, I mean, but I, I want to put that fear of God into you. And then I get on people's routes where it's like, it's not so much that it's like, I get this sense of feelings or emotions, but it's more along the lines of like, okay, this is like meticulous. Like there is like very precise, you know, I can't accelerate too fast. I can't accelerate too slow. I can't create tension too fast. I can't create tensions too slow. And then the, and then at the rate of which I release that tension and that acceleration all goes into play. And so that's why I asked that if you feel like it's like, you know, do you climb, you know, or do you feel like the things that you climb now, are they more artistic? Are they more kind of like, kind of that? Cause I think that's, it's also hard to say, like, do you guys set more like comp style boulders or do you set more like commercial? In your I'd gym? say at Silver Street, it's more commercial. We do have walls that can allow for it, but because we're a large on bouldering only gym. The gym's massive. It's huge, but it's bouldering only. I know at Katie, I notice a lot of more competition style and I believe the walls are more suited for it for the bouldering side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have like some like particular walls that are like particular for, hey, this is for like a competition. And like, there's like two walls in our gym that they typically go to when it comes to like USAC and regionals and stuff that they mm. stick to those walls. And those ones are for more like the compy style, but in general, it's more commercial. But in terms of, I guess what I enjoy climbing, I don't mind things being hard or difficult as long as like the steps to get there, even if they're like difficult, they sort of make sense. Mm-hmm. I can understand like beta breaks and such, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if stuff is just like hard, just to be hard, that's not enjoyable for me. I don't like when, I don't want to put into that time into that project if it's just simply a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Um, which is part of it could be related to like the training side of things or like my simple style. Um, but like, for instance, you can have a very technical slabby problem that still flows really well and mm-hmm. still is just hard. And you can also have a super duper powerful steep one that still flows really well. And the movements are 
you can see, oh, I have to do this next. I just gotta just gotta get get put myself in a good position, make that move, go to the next move, and then on and on and on and on, sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely um, I, I can see that. I think that's very true, especially for indoor climbing and a lot. I also think though, when you get outdoor climbing, sometimes routes are just hard because they're hard. Like there's no other getting around it. Like you can want Mother Nature to be as flowy and as beautiful as you want, mm-hmm. but like when you have to do like a single mono lock off or a two finger small lock off and get a high foot and just like yard to finish the rest of the route. And you know, there's some beauty in it too. And that's just like, you know, worst case of similar, like black plague in, in New Mexico, that's like worst case scenario yeah. um, or best case scenario, depending on who you are. But I, I, I definitely, I'm with you. I've, I've over the years, I've learned that like, there's a good balance of both. Like I personally, from an indoor perspective, I always want a route to flow. Mm. I personally like thuggy routes, really thuggy gymnastics. Like I want to feel like I'm in a fight. Like I really want to feel like I'm wrestling against the wall. Uh, However, you know, sometimes like that's not the case. And sometimes things are just hard, especially, I don't know. Route settings is really controversial area, in my opinion. Like it can go either way. And Luke and I, in a previous episode, talked about it a little bit and going everywhere. We were more so just hanging out, but like, Route setting is probably single-handedly the most controversial thing in rock climbing as a whole. On both sides, I can only imagine. Oh, God, yeah. dude. Like, <laughs> the amount of people's opinions in rock climbing is it's like, you know, it, the, the age-old saying in rock climbing from route setting is like, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Get <laughs> oh, a little spot there, you good? <laughs> dude, I'm, oh, bro, I can tell you stories. I can tell you savage stories. And um, yeah, man, but at the end of the day, the sport is beautiful and I love it. And I'm very blessed that I got to meet people like you and the rest of the community in Texas. And yeah, I mean, it's a gorgeous thing. Um, This is going to be a short episode because we got to wrap this one up. But I want to do another one remote with you one day uh, coming up soon or just drive down to Houston and just hang out when we do it. Uh, but if people want to follow you and follow your journey of climbing and find you, where can they do that and how can they do that? Uh, so for my Instagram, um, it's JDB Climbs on Instagram. And you can also follow uh, Houston Black Climbers United on Instagram as well. That's an organization I take part in and I participate in. Um, that's probably the most active space to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's JAYDB.Climbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are the two main ones, especially HBCU for those who want to be a part of the organization or want to really get into rock climbing down in Houston. You have to be in the area. Uh, let us know. Reach out to us. We can also plan something to meet up at another location. We recently went out to Austin a couple of times as well. So if, if we're in the Austin DFW Houston area and you want to help like or help organization and take part in an event, just reach out to us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks for hanging out this weekend. It's been great cooking, <laughs> hanging out killing zombies yeah, and yeah. yeah dude that was wild that was so wild also mvp shooter here hey if you, I, know, I, sand, you, know. you know sandbox if you're looking to sponsor an athlete <laughs> you know just you know, cars available I'm just, just throwing it out there yeah uh but uh love you much and thank you for being here and we'll have you back very 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 soon for a little longer chat thank you for having me as well I'm looking forward to it Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Chakar. You know, there's not a lot of black men that I get to climb with in the industry. And I want to be very clear when I say this. I love everyone that I climb with, and I love everyone 
that I've had the opportunity to tie in, spot. But there is something very magical about seeing people that look like you in a space. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And if you haven't listened to Black Joy on Chris Hampton's podcast, The Power Company, an episode between a friend of mine and Donnell, this was a moment that I remembered. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember, if you're not suffering, you got to ask yourself, was that send? Was it worth it at all? Is it as sweet? Because if there is a little suffer, God, does it make it so sweet in the end? Don't, 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 don't.